knowing that like, I still have value as a person. If I don't, you know, if I bomb this event, the sun's still going to rise another day. It's not the end of the world, but still balancing that with like, well, this is like an important moment. I should do my best. And like, I want to win and do really well. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this episode, I am joined by Cody Anderson. Cody is a three-time CrossFit Games athlete, and he is also the owner of CrossFit Magnify. I've always been a big fan of Cody, especially his weightlifting technique. I did mention that at the end, but I figured I'd ask him to come on the podcast. He's at a little bit of a weird stage in life where we're not really sure if he wants to keep pursuing CrossFit at the highest level. So it was cool to get him on at this point in time to just talk about fitness, faith, and life, and everything in between. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really did, and let's kick it over there now. The games, you've been you've been watching that? Yeah, they just, uh, individual competition kicked off today. So I don't know how much you keep up with it being a weightlifter, but, um, but yeah, it's been, uh, had some gnarly events so far. Yeah, I watched, um, one of my buddies is from Delaware and he competed at the Mid-Atlantic qualifier. So I got to watch some of that. Mm-hmm. I do like to keep up with the weightlifting a little bit more just cause that's, <laughs> that's what I'm familiar with. But like the, the, and you got the Olympics going on right now too, so it's like yeah, exactly that makes sense. <clears throat> but the the CrossFit, it's like you guys are so good at everything, and I like can't even wrap my brain around it. Like you ha- you have to weightlift, and then you're doing metcons, and it's like absolutely insane. Definitely a lot of work, that's for sure. Yes, but I mean, yeah, I mean weightlifting is same. It's like I competed at nationals in 2019. I'm like, okay, these people are. There's a difference between like doing it sometimes and like it being the only thing you do um yeah there's just a level of expertise i think that you can't reach if you're trying to do so much like crossfit but did you train pretty seriously for that did you do only weightlifting or did you just cut out metcons like a couple days before yeah that was kind of what we did i think i stopped doing metcons like maybe a week before so i had like just a week of weightlifting but um i don't know my body feels better when i'm still like training some CrossFit stuff or doing at least something aerobic. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a balance of like trying to keep my body happy and, but still peaking at the right time. And yeah, I guess it, it, it's just like your baseline. Your baseline is just so much more than a weightlifter who never does cardio. So like you kind of, you, you want to kind of stay at that. So I'd imagine like yeah. cutting out everything wouldn't be good either. Yeah. I mean, I've never tried, so maybe, maybe I should try that next time. I mean, I bombed out in the snatch at nationals, so <laughs> hopefully someday there'll be some redemption there, but. So you would be what, at 81 or 73? Uh, yeah, I'd be an 81 now. 73 is a little bit of a cut, but 81 is like, I don't think I've ever weighed that much. So I'm like 77 would have been perfect before they changed it, but. I would love to weigh 81 kilos. I feel like my body would be happier there. Yeah, that's a, the same way I'm at. Uh, I sit around 70, 
And so six, I haven't competed at 67 since like the whole shutdown thing, just cause got a little chubby during that time. Stopped doing, stopped doing as much. So, so it's been tough, but yeah, I'm like right in between where it would be so nice to either be 60, like eight and then just cut down a kilo or be 72, 73. But I understand that. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, let's just get started with your background. I, I mean, I know there's a lot more to you than just CrossFit, and I'm sure that's where a lot of people are going to know you from, but I just love to kind of dive into how you got started in sports and early life, things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, first, like, kind of athletic thing that I did was uh, I was a gymnast from, like, 8 to 12. I did it for, like, four and a half years, um, and I think that just set me up well athletically for everything else that, that I've done. Um didn't really do much after that. I uh, quit gymnastics and I started playing video games and uh, like all high school is like rock star and donuts every day for lunch. And um, yeah, so I didn't really get serious until I, I started thinking about maybe joining the military when I was uh, a senior. And uh, my mom put me into uh, like a CrossFit. It was like a discounted pro CrossFit program for students uh, to help like prep for that. Um, and obviously the military didn't work out, but, uh, yeah, I just fell in love with that sport, having a gymnastics background. I feel like, you know, getting to swing and a muscle up and kipping pull-ups and like that kind of stuff just made sense to my body as a gymnast and fell in love with it. And it was kind of the rest is history, I guess. Did you enjoy gymnastics when you were doing it? I've kind of heard people go back and forth. Like some people just kind of hated training and didn't really like it. And then other people, we're like, yeah, they're long practices and they kind of get lost after they're done. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I look back on it with nostalgia is like, it's so long ago. It's hard to remember like specifics of it, but um, yeah, I mean, it was hard work and like, you know, we had a coach that, that really demanded a lot of us, but um, I feel like I really learned a lot about work ethic doing that early on. And um, yeah, I look back on it fondly for the most part. I think I got out of it at the right time though. Like, from what I've seen other, I don't think gymnastics does this to everybody, but once you hit puberty and you start growing, it can be like really hard on your joints. Um, so I think I got out kind of the perfect time. Um, but yeah, competing in gymnastics is awesome. Ta teaches you a lot about hard work and practice, uh, especially when you're not good at something the first time. Um, and I don't know, I think that carries over to any other sport that you want to do. For sure. So when I, uh... When you're doing the routines, because I'm interested because I was watching the Olympics last night and the routines are so incredible that they're able to do this and it, and it's just so perfect. Like how many times do you actually practice the same routine over and over again? Yeah, dude, it's like tens of yeah, maybe, maybe tens of thousands is an exaggeration, but it's in the thousands, like especially when you're competing at that level. Like, I mean, I was never like elite or anything as a gymnast, but I, I, I was decent. Um and yeah, I mean, you work nine months out of the year just perfecting, you know, a handful of skills on each event. And there's not really anything else to work on. You can do some conditioning and like some strength based stuff, but it's really just skill uh, primarily. And so you work all year, you know, or if you're training for the Olympics, you work four years trying to perfect these skills and put a routine together that maybe lasts like 60 seconds. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like weight. I think it's weight. Think weightlifting is like even harder because you have six attempts, right? And it's like one second on the platform, and if you screw up, then it's over. 
but um but yeah it's i mean same as weightlifting thousands and thousands and thousands of reps until it's perfect so i'd imagine getting into crossfit after that feels pretty good when you're like all right if i'm if i suck at something we can just like we'll keep pushing that off like i'll do all the yeah, things so like, let's do some handstand push-ups now and take a break from rowing or something like that yeah <clears throat> much more variety so when so you did the the military class well the crossfit class for for the military when was it really on your radar that it was something that you could compete in or like how popular was it even at the time yeah, that was back in 2010. Um, so it was like, I think the 2010 games, or 2011 was the first year at the Open, I think. Um, and so it was just kind of getting popularity. They kind of moved from the ranch to like StubHub Center in 2010. And um, I, I think I competed, my first competition was less than a year after starting, um, maybe like six or seven months. Um, and it was just because like people from my gym were doing it too. And uh, I was like the bottom 25% in this, like that local comp. But, um, but yeah, I just, I think I, you know, it started with just a passion for the sport and I, I really liked doing it. Um, and so lots of local competitions. I did that same one. It was just like a, like a local one, did it twice a year um, and did a little bit better and better each time. So how, like how fast, so you did that a couple of, a couple times like how fast were you you know at the regional level or even getting to the games it happened uh well it happened pretty quickly but it was a lot easier to make it to regionals back in those days so um yeah like in early before what 2015 i think we were just like the northwest region and we had 48 spots just for those like four or five states um versus like got much more difficult. And even now it's even more difficult. You have 20 for the whole U S um, if you're wanting to qualify for the games now, but um, yeah. So first regionals was 2012. So it would have been about two years of doing CrossFit and I was on a team. Um, and then I made it as an individual to regionals in 2013 and first year of the games was the year after that 2014. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so um, like when you get to the games, like what was, were you, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm going to be, this is going to be my sport. This is going to be my thing. Or was it just like, oh, kind of, you get to regionals and then you're like, oh, I made it to the games. Like time to start training a little bit more. Yeah, it was totally that. <laughs> I thought it was a fluke that I, that I made it in 2014. Um, so they had a handstand walk, you know, as a gymnast, that was like kind of a freebie. Um, nobody had like ever practiced handstand walks or anything before. So I was like one of the few people who was able to actually do it. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like full-blown intimidation first year at the games, but it was a cool experience. I was stoked to be there, um, but also very nervous. Um, and yeah, so I, I think like it was just like it kind of gained confidence over the years. And then when I made it back, it kind of solidified like, okay, I, I have, I guess, like a right to, or I earned my spot here actually. Um, but yeah, so I, it didn't really like, I wanted, I would have like wanted it to be my career, but I didn't want to like dream a dream that was like too out of my reach, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like kind of putting it out there and be like, well, if I fail at this, then, then it sucks. But if then I've actually said it and yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think a, a lot of people are getting more to that point. And like, like you said, it's much harder to qualify now, but it's like 
people even just trying to get to the the sanctionals and stuff are quitting their jobs or switching their life around just to to get to that yeah. point and it's it's just cool to hear um just how people get there like some people you know you train full-time and it might be a five or six year thing you came in with a gymnastics background and it's like hey you're good at good at this stuff kind of right away yeah but i i mean like we're talking about it like it's no big deal but i'm sure it's a it's a tremendous amount of work yeah i mean it's it's still work but yeah i mean every year it gets to be more work like it's very difficult if you don't like coach or own a gym or something to be able to just have the time to you know, cause you need to put like now you need hours and hours in the gym. If you want to be good enough to probably even make it to a sanctional. I mean, if you're super talented and you're coming from another sport, maybe that wouldn't be the case, but you're definitely not making it to the games unless you're putting, you know, a decent amount of time in that having a full-time job makes difficult. Yeah, man. So on the podcast, I like to to just get a glimpse of the stuff that doesn't go so well. Like we look at Instagram now and everyone's highlight reels are out there, but for two years, like 2015 and 2016, you didn't make it and you were one spot away. So, so what was, what was that experience? Like how, how bad did that sting and how'd you push through? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was disappointing. Um, 2015, especially I've told a story in some other podcasts, but um, if you like, you can look up the leaderboard, um, for that regional that year. And from second to seventh, I think there was one point between each person. So, and I was sixth place and you needed to be in the top five. So I missed out by one point and I had like 497 points or something like that. So it was like a very, very small margin. If I went one second faster on like three different workouts, I would have gone to the games that year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was really, I mean, my stance is kind of, a lot of people say like everything happens for a reason. I don't know that I like necessarily like agree with that completely, but I believe that like God will use any um, situation for you to form you and kind of like develop you as a person. And so that was kind of like my, my mindset. Like as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, I can choose to like be really disappointed and upset about this. And it was disappointing. Um, but allowing it to be, to kind of put it out there and say like, okay, like how can I grow from this? And like, you know, from my perspective of having like the faith that I do asking the question of, you know, to God, like, well, what do you want to do with this? Um, and it actually was, it was really good. I met some people and I was able, you know, because I didn't compete that year, I was able to go on some really cool trips. Um, I did a trek in uh, Nepal through the Himalayas, delivering Bibles to unreached people. Um, like super out in the mountains, like, I guess they had like been touched by Western culture because they had like Bob Marley shirts and stuff, but <laughs> like literally as people like eat like rice every day and that's like it and like super, um, just impoverished and unreached. And, um, anyways, so yeah, met some people where I was able to do that kind of stuff. And there was a couple different opportunities that arose because I didn't make it. So looking back, I can look back on it with positivity. That was a really long answer to your question. Sorry. No, no, that's perfect. How fast do you think that shift was? Like when you're out on the competition floor and you hear your name in sixth place, are you like, okay, I'm going to grow from this? Or is it like you have to get over it a little bit? It was, um, it was a unique situation because I hurt my back too, warming up for the final event. Um, and it was like, it was a bunch of muscle ups and like a heavy clean ladder. And so I was warming up like 255 or something. 
and like felt my back going. I'd injured my back before, so I knew what I did immediately. So it was kind of like, I mean, I can't remember exactly what I was thinking, but I was, I'm, I was surprised at how quickly I was able to turn my mentality around actually. Um, and I think another important lesson too, like was, uh, learning that I can't just take it for granted. Um, I think I, I got a little bit of ego might be too strong of word, but it was like, because I was like a games athlete, you know, after 2014, I was like, well, I've automatically got it like locked up. Um, and I wasn't training as hard as probably other people were. So I think the people that beat me definitely did earn their spot more than I did that year. Um, so I think that was also an eye opening kind of thing. 2015 and 2016 made me realize like, if I want to, to do this, then there's an amount of work that I can put in. I can't just rely on like my talent and gymnastics background and stuff like that too. How do you not identify or, you know, what's the, what's the balance? Like when you, you make it to the CrossFit games and it's like, you get all this gear, you're on TV and it's like people recognize you and stuff. Is there a point where you're like identifying yourself as, Hey, I'm Cody, the CrossFit games athlete. This is who I am. This is what I do. Is, was that like a hard transition to go through? Um, you mean like transitioning from like feeling like a normal person or something or like, what are you? Yeah. I don't even want to say like a normal person, but just, you know, getting wrapped up in, in the, the title or the accomplishment. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tried not to, um, I don't know that I've ever, I, I knew that it would be a temptation to, to, to kind of be like that. Um, and so from the beginning, I really didn't want to become that way. Uh, and so I don't think that was ever because I was intentional about kind of, I guess, staying humble and not, um, I mean, I guess I kind of said I had like an ego going into 2015 and 16, but, um, yeah, I don't think I ever, I ever like identified or like saw like that as like a part of like what defines me, if that makes sense as being a CrossFit Games athlete. Um, it was more something that I enjoyed and something that I did, but there's bigger parts of my life that actually define who I am. Um, so yeah. I think because because I didn't want it to, to become that way, I think I kind of was intentional from the very beginning about not letting it define me. Because then you're like at the mercy of if you don't perform, then you don't have any value as a human being anymore, right? Yeah, that's cool to hear that it was it was intentional. I think anybody who, who plays a sport, who does anything competitive and you take it seriously, when that gets stripped of you, like you go through an injury and you can't compete anymore or you graduate college and you're a college athlete. And then it's like, Hey, who am I when I don't have to go to practice anymore? Who am I when, yeah. when there's not a next game coming up on the schedule? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a hard, it's hard balance to strike too. Cause you want to have like that winning, like kind of like shark mentality too. Um, but yeah, not letting it to really define who you are in life. It's a, I think it's a really hard balance to strike. And I think depending on the way that you think and the way your mind works, it's gotta be a little bit different for everybody. Is that something you think about when you go out on the competition floor? Like kind of, I'd imagine that you wouldn't be as nervous if you're like, if you're, you know, you're there and you're like, I'm here, but this isn't exactly who I define myself as. So do you feel like almost like it takes a little bit of pressure off you when you're, when you're actually competing? I think so. I think it's scary to, to go to that place because then it feels like, 
like, oh, do I not care enough about what I'm doing? Or like, am I un like, I always go, you know, I, I remember like a, a very common thing I would do when like walking on the competition floor is just like try to really focus on having a mindset of gratitude um, and just really like trying to take in the environment, the situation, be grateful for, you know, the position I was in. Um, but then, yeah, again, like going back to that, like knowing that like, I still have value as a person. If I don't, you know, if I bomb this event, the sun's still going to rise another day. It's not the end of the world, but still balancing that with like, well, this is like an important moment. I should do my best. And like, I want to win and do really well. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to describe the balance that I had there or, I think it's just holding to those two things in the same in the same thought, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean you can and you hear people there's uh there's actually a book that just came out by Tim Grover. He used to he wrote the book Relentless. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But he just wrote it, it's he's like a sports psychologist kind of guy and he wrote this mindset book called Winning is Everything. <laughs> and it's so funny like hearing you talk and then you hear like the winning is everything mindset and this is what it takes and you have to be this way or you're never going to achieve your goals. And it's like, no, oh, maybe like you can take it seriously and you can do your best, but you don't have to, yeah. to go crazy about it. Yeah. I think our culture has kind of pushed that uh, a little bit and it just, yeah, that mentality doesn't work for me. I don't think that way. Um, to me, like not having that much pressure. Um, I think I actually perform better. Um, but I mean, maybe some people need that, you know, but I don't, I would rather still be a happy person if, <laughs> you know, I didn't win or something. <clears throat> would you consider yourself competitive though? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I hate getting beat. So that's a cool balance right there. Like to, to be competitive, but, and you know, I'm in a sport with weightlifting where, it's not like in CrossFit where somebody makes a mistake and you can maybe beat them by a second or like how you left out, you got left out of the games by, by one point weightlifting is like you either lifted more than the other guy or you didn't. So it's very, yeah, it's very hard sure. to, to be competitive in that because it's just like, Hey, I'm just competing against myself. Totally. Yeah. I could see like, yeah, maybe once you're at the top of the sport, like kind of playing with like weight swaps and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's kind of in my experience weightlifting too. That's been, it's like, well, I would like to hit this number. So let's put that on the bar and see if I have it today. Yeah. No one's out there just PRing by 30 kilos to try to beat somebody. Yeah. It'd be really cool though. If you could just sheer willpower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. I totally wish that. That's funny. Cause I, I was talking to somebody the other day about, about that same thing. Like, and even in CrossFit, like you're not you're competing against each other and yeah, it's a sport and it's everything's head to head, but it's like, you can only do the best that you can do. If somebody's just flat out better than you, it's, uh, doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're going to fall back on the training you've done for sure. And there's some, I mean, at the, at the games, there's some events where you do want to pay attention to the people around you. And there's some where it's like, you know, maybe it's a damage control event or just something where you're like, I really need to just run my own race here. And like, hopefully it is good. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that in CrossFit too, um, depending on what the event is. So are you still focused on being a CrossFit games athlete? Like I know we were talking about it a little bit before that the games is going on right now, but is that something that's on your radar? Maybe 2022? Um, 
that's a hard question. I, I go back and forth still. Um, like the hard thing is like, I know like the cost now, you know, 2018, I, you know, I went all in and I, you know, I quit coaching and I lived with my parents and, um, you know, my full-time job was training and eating and recovering. Uh, I didn't have a social life. Like I didn't do anything else besides that. Um, and so now, you know, I'm married, I own a gym. Uh, I have a dog that keeps walking up here and distracting me. Sorry. Um, so I, I don't think I'd be able to make the same sacrifices. So I, I would, I would hate to like, kind of, you know, even if I like made it to the games and finished like 20th or something, I think like, you know, well, I, I think like, well, I wasn't in the shape I used to be, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know if an opportunity arose to go team or if, you know, an opportunity arose to where I really felt like I could make it work, uh, then I would, but so I'm kind of like 50, 50, like might be done. I don't think I'll ever stop training and I might try, you know, some other sports. I think I'll probably try competing in weightlifting some more. And, um, we got super into mountain biking during, uh, COVID last year. Um, so do some mountain bike races. Um, but yeah, not putting too much pressure on myself right now. I'm just kind of trying to still enjoy what I'm doing. Is it hard to look at, like, do you ever do a workout that you did before and be like, oh, I'm not in as good a shape anymore? Is that like a hard thing to deal with? Um, I haven't had to because I'm still improving. <laughs> um, just not at the rate that I think maybe I would if I was, you know, training like a, like a full-time athlete. Um, I still work out a lot. Um, but yeah, the only thing that's, I mean, my snatch and clean and jerk have maybe gone down like 15 pounds since taking a break from, I'm not doing nearly as much weightlifting volume, but, um, yeah, from like an aerobic capacity standpoint and like, just like general, like Metcon benchmarks, I'm still getting better, which is cool. Um, I think it also comes with like a better understanding of like pacing and like understanding my body better and better. Um, but yeah, I haven't had to deal with that yet, but I'm sure that will be, that will be hard. I've thought before, like, you know, what would I always like to snatch and clean and jerk? Like if I can still snatch 225 when I'm like 40, like, will I be happy with that? Like, I don't know, but <clears throat> yeah, those, those numbers and comparing, that'd be pretty sweet if you could. If you could like just maintain like what you are now and be 40 or 50, like just because yeah. you can always compete in weightlifting. I, I don't, you can compete in CrossFit, but it's not, not really the same thing. It's a little bit tougher on your body, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think weightlifting is harder on my body. Um, I think because I'm a smaller athlete. So like things like kipping pull ups and stuff aren't as taxing on my shoulders and stuff. But, um, but yeah. Nobody wants to be that guy that like lives in the past and like, you know, still tries to hang on to like being captain of the football team in high <laughs> school or yeah. <laughs> whatever. So yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but I think, yeah, I need to, everybody has to come to that point of like finding like the level of fitness that they're happy with and maintaining, um, you know, other parts of their life, family and work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that balance isn't as off as people might think. Like you can probably, like you could probably go a couple months training, doing the class workout and you would still be way fitter than the average person. You're not going to lose it that fast. Yeah. I think some people are like kind of all or nothing. Like, Hey, if I don't train my three hours a day, then it's over. Yeah. 
That's, that's totally true. Cause that's kind of what I done. You know, I took like probably six months to a year of just doing what I programmed for my gym. Um, and like I said, like I've kept improving, like I'm putting intensity behind my workouts and I'm maybe not conditioned for like CrossFit games level volume. Um, but you can still get fit doing, you know, one workout a day, spend an hour in the gym and yeah, time in the gym doesn't necessarily translate to quality of training and it's not automatic that your gains are going to be bigger because you spent three hours versus one hour. Do you always feel like because you're a smaller athlete, did you always kind of have a chip on your shoulder? Like I, you, you know, some of the guys you're competing against are 190, 200 pounds and you're a lot lighter. Is that something that you thought about when you were competing? Um, yeah, I mean, it's something you definitely take into consideration. I wouldn't say I had a chip on my shoulder. I mean, I liked being, it was really cool. You know, even in 2014, you know, they had the clean ladder and that was like my, my first kind of breakout, you know, clean 310 pounds. Um, I think it was 310, but, uh, it's cool. Like getting to prove people wrong or just getting to surprise people, you know, not them lifting a weight that you don't expect them to, or moving in a way that you don't expect them to, uh, so yeah, I never really had a chip on my shoulder about that. When it came to like, you know, we had a marathon row in 2018. I knew I wasn't going to win that workout. Um, so it's still realistic. Uh, but I think that's the beauty of CrossFit is like, if you're a specialist in one area, like you'll do well at that, but you make up for it in other things. You know, I might do poorly on a marathon row, but then give me 30 muscle-ups for time and I should do pretty well. Yeah, I always felt like that when when I played baseball. Like I, I'm five six, so we're probably right. relatively the same, close to the same height. And like, I just always had the mindset like I'm six foot four out here. Like I always pictured myself <laughs> as that. And I don't know, it's just kind of interesting when uh, even like doing CrossFit a little bit, I kind of always thought that like, hey, I'm I'm cleaning more than this guy, and he's he's looks like twice my size, but really it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's good motivation. I would rather think that way than like use my size and as an excuse for staying where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Don't let it be a limitation because there's lots of people that prove, prove people wrong in that regard. So looking back on, on that time, like the times where you're competing full time, do you have anything that you take into business today or just general life? Like the discipline aspect that you took away from that time? Like, what do you feel like are some of the main lessons that you learn while training and, and go into the game, stuff like that? Yeah, uh, there's, there's definitely been a lot of stuff that translated. Um, one of the biggest ones is uh, focusing on what's in your control um, and what's not and letting the stuff that's not slide off. Um, it's like I'm in three years of owning a business, I've learned that there's always something to do. You know, there's never going to be a shortage of, of work to do. Um, but learning to balance, to have balance in that and then not spend energy and time, uh, worrying about something that's completely outside of your control. Like COVID is a really good example. You know, it's like, well, the state is telling me I have to shut my gym. I don't really have a choice in that matter, but like, what are the things that I could do to like minimize the impact that has on my business? And like, so we did, you know, what a lot of gyms did zoom classes and lent our equipment out and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a really major lesson that I think is carried over into to business. It's helped a lot. Um, 
And then I think too, just like work ethic in general, like there's lots of days where I woke up training and didn't feel like going in. Um, but you do anyway, and you find that you actually had more in you than you thought. So there's things that just have to get done sometimes. So you just do them and somehow it happens. Um, yeah, those are the two that I can kind of think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I like that. So how, like how bad, I, I'm in Pennsylvania, so obviously a little bit different with the uh, the shutdowns and everything, but how stressful of a time was that for, as a business owner, when it's like, hey, we, we don't really know what's going on, we got to shut our business down. What was that like? Um, I mean, there was, there was stress with it. Uh, I think I, I was really fortunate, um, to have a business partner who took care of the financial side of things. So I didn't have to look at, look at stuff like that. Um, now I'm doing everything, but, uh, so I think there's a combination of that. And then also just like falling back on like the faith thing of like, and like, I, you know, I was heading like 2015, 2016, like the sun's still going to rise another day. Um, even if the business fails, like it's not the end of the world. Um, so I don't know. I think when you actually like fear is a weird thing of like, it's the most powerful when it's vague and, uh, I don't know if speculative is the right word, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of like out there. Like, I'm afraid like something bad might happen. Um, but you don't really actually consider like if you actually take the time to consider like, okay, let's say like the business fails, like we lose everything. Like what happens? Like, well, we can move back in with our parents and like start over. Like, um, yeah, very few things are like, is it actually like an end of the world scenario? So I think falling back on that stuff was helpful for me. So it's definitely stressful, but, um, I guess, again, that's another one of those things of like being an athlete helped with the mentality there. Yeah. Kind of whatever happens, happens. I think we always, we always put that, like the fear of the unknown is it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. the situation unknown, is. Yeah. It's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Like yeah, just, uh, sure. not, I guess not being in control is the hard part. Like, Hey, somebody mm-hmm. else is telling you that you have to do it. And, uh, yeah, that's always tough. But I think if you do have faith or if you have something to fall back on, that's always a good thing. So how important, I know uh, I've heard you mention it on a couple different podcasts, but how important is your, your faith to you and, and what kind of does that mean to you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's central to everything in my life. Um, you know, I, I credit God for even giving me the opportunities that I've, I've had in this sport. Um, and even beyond that, you know, like I've just, I've experienced too many things in my life to deny that there isn't a God out there and that he loves me. And, um, yeah, I just feel like I have a lot of experiences to back that up and, you know, respect if people don't, don't agree with that. But, you know, I pray that everybody would get to have an experience like that too, because I don't think it's just for a unique, special person like me. Um, not that I'm more special than anybody else, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, every, every decision, everything I do, you know, is, is based out of, I mean, wanting to, uh, live a life that brings glory to Jesus and, um, saying yes to the opportunities that I feel like he's putting in my way and saying no to the things that, uh, I feel like I shouldn't be living in. Um, yeah, I guess it's hard to like under, um, underemphasize how important it is because it's kind of just like, like I said, central to everything in my life. 
Yeah, just always like, and it doesn't even have to be like some people get turned off if you use the word God or Jesus. And I went to a Christian school and it was, uh, it was a different experience because I wasn't religious going into school. So I definitely saw some, some things that I liked, some things that I didn't like, but I think just understanding either way, whatever your belief is, that there's a bigger purpose and, you know, stuff doesn't happen by accident. Like you say, you, uh, you go out and you get injured right before the final event of the games and then you end up going on the trips in the summer and it's like you never would have you never would have done that you would have been locked in a gym training for eight hours a day and it's like what would have happened if if uh if you were healthy during that time yeah for sure that's awesome man i i'd love to talk about the mustache because i would like kick myself if i didn't talk about it but when did you start growing that thing and how long yeah like what's the upkeep like on that one yeah that was uh dude, that was like almost i think it was about six years ago yeah i started growing it like around the games in 2015 um and uh, i just wanted to see what i was capable of it looked really bad for like two or three years <laughs> um because i don't grow facial hair very quickly um yeah and then the internet fell in love with it and i feel like i can't uh I would experience their wrath if I shaved it now. So it's here to stay. Luckily, my wife likes it. Um, yeah, an upkeep's not that hard. It's like a little bit of wax. It's pretty trained now. So I'll, I'll go to sleep and wake up and it'll still be like this most of the time. Some little adjustments, but yeah, mustache is a funny thing. Yeah, I feel like there's very few men who can rock a mustache and it actually looks good. I am not one of them I tried to be before and it just doesn't <laughs> happen. Yeah, you just got to be okay with looking really bad for like two years, and then maybe it gets respectable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, two years. So you did the CrossFit Games thing, and you're kind of not really sure about what's next training-wise. But so being a gym owner, do you ever – like how does the balance of that work? Do you program high-level workouts for your members, or is it, hey, CrossFit's like a lot different than what I did back then? And it's not trained four hours a day. Like, do you, like, how does that kind of balance work for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm definitely not programming like professional athlete level workouts for people, but, um, you know, it's like CrossFit kind of says, like they say like program for your RX athletes and then you scale down from there. Cause if you give people a really low kind of goal to shoot for, then they're just going to get there and that's the fitness level they're going to stay at. So we want to keep like pushing, um, the boundaries of people's fitness and still challenging our athletes from like our competitive athletes to the person who just started and they're 60 years old and haven't done anything for 30 years. Um, and I think that's the beauty of CrossFit is it's, it's scalable all the way, you know, up to that level and down to that level. But I, I program, um, I would say my, like my general programming is for like the open level kind of athlete, like a person that can just do decent in the open. And then I'll, most of the time put like an RX plus option for the people that are competitive. Um, but it does take, it's very, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of like kind of Tetrising to put workouts where they should be and program workouts in a way that, um, that kind of fit all that criteria, um, to be able to challenge people from the best we have to the people that are just starting. Um, yeah, it seems to, I think it's working out. I think people are happy with it. 
uh, and like I said, it was like what I was doing too, and I'm still improving. And so we're seeing improvement across the board. And I think that's kind of the thing to look for. Do people think like, oh, because I come to your gym that we're going to train for regionals or we're going to train <laughs> at a high level? Is that something that you have to explain to people that, hey, what you saw me do on TV is not what we're going to do here? Um, maybe like a handful of people. Um, I mean, I live in a pretty small town, so like it's kind of like a touristy destination, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure if I lived in like Portland or somewhere in California, like a bigger city, that would be more of an issue. But, um, yeah, every once in a while I'll have people reach out like, Hey, I'm in town. Like, I would love to train with you. I was like, okay, like come to our noon class. We're rowing today. Like, (laughs) um, and that's it. I think maybe, yeah, it's a little disappointing for people sometimes, but, uh, but yeah, I think most people understand like CrossFit's not about the the 0.01% of the people that are competing at the games. And um, yeah, I don't know if that answers that question. I guess I haven't really run into it very much. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of thinking it as like 2017, 2018. Maybe you went to a gym and, and that was the conception that this was a bunch of jack dudes on ESPN now nowadays i guess crossfit's more accepted and people understand that hey we're doing this for our health and that's kind of it yeah i think that's that's most people's uh mentality so yeah so going off that like how much do you think your experience of an as an athlete has helped you coach good question um i think you do need to be like you don't need to be like a super high tier athlete to be a great coach Um, but it definitely helps. Uh, like if you yourself aren't able to do a muscle up, I think it's really difficult to teach somebody how to do a muscle up. Um, so stuff like that. And, and just knowing, like figuring out movements for myself and even like getting injured and like working through stuff like that, like has taught me, uh, how to help people avoid those things. Or if they do have something bothering them, like, Hey, I know what you're dealing with. I've tried this and then that helps or, um, so yeah, I think I think that a lot of that kind of translates um, translates over, especially to I shouldn't say especially. I think to all athletes, like competitive or non-competitive, because um, if you if you're coached well, you know I feel like I had a good coach and I understood like the stimulus of the workouts and like the intention behind those kinds of things, and um, I can now share that and explain it to our members and and all that kind of stuff and refined movement and all those kinds of things. So I think it helps a lot. Yeah. I like to think of it almost in terms of like martial arts, like the belt system. It's almost like you're a black belt in CrossFit and as a black belt that you can teach other people. And if you're a white belt, it's going to be really hard to get people to buy in. If you're like, Hey, I've seen this on TV. I know how to, how to explain this, but I'm not really sure how to do it. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. If you're a white belt, you'll probably coach people to be white belt level crossfitters i mean maybe there's i'm sure there's exceptions out there because there's a lot of like studying and like things that you can do as a coach where you know i don't need to run a nine minute mile or i don't need i can run a nine minute mile and train somebody to run like a sub five just based off like reading stuff but um yeah it definitely helps do you still have a coach for crossfit uh not really anymore no um amy everett was uh was my coach like 2017 and 18 um and then through like nationals 2019 once i kind of took a step back and like the focus was more on the gym and everything 
um, I kind of, like I said, I was just doing my own programming for the gym and throwing in some weightlifting here and there. Um, so yeah, just self-coached again. Still have a good relationship with her though. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. And I've had a, a couple of Amy's athletes on the podcast and did you guys do any like mindset training? That's always something that I've been interested in because I have the, uh, the garage mind mm -hmm. like uh, training log thing yeah. and she has a lot of mindset work work in there so i just wanted to i was just curious as a selfish question but like is she does she work with you on that stuff well uh, she tried but i think differently than she does <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and i mean it's not it's not a knock against like the way that she because like i think with you know like with maddie she like that's totally what she needs um for me like i don't do well getting like you got to get pissed at the bar, or like, you know, get like psyched out. Like I do better running like a Zen kind of like calm state. Um, and so, yeah, one, one thing that she did, uh, she gave me a book called the five minute journal. Um, and it was probably during the 2018 training season. Uh, and that was super valuable. And that was just like, uh, I don't know why, like it didn't really, it was not like a training book or not even related to sports, but it's just like a daily journal where you write like three things you're grateful for. I think, um, also three things that like, what, what three things could happen today that would like be really great. And then you do it again at night. It takes like five minutes. What's so called the five minute journal. Um, it's like what went really well today. And then there's like one other kind of like reflection thing that you write down. And for some reason, I feel like that really trained me to think, um, from a place of positivity, uh, even when things are like down and being able to move on, I can't really explain like the correlation um, between doing that and like why it made me a stronger mental athlete, but it definitely made a good, a big difference. So if anybody listening wants a good mental training book, I would recommend that one. Yeah. And I, I just love the, the like five minutes, like mm -hmm. you don't have to sit there and anybody do can do it. Yeah. You don't have to do a mental journal exercise for, a half an hour or sit there and meditate like you can you can write down a couple things you're grateful for and like yeah that's something that everyone can do you can it doesn't matter if you can't do it first thing in the morning if you're too busy like there's always five minutes that you have throughout the day mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah it's supposed to be done like right when you wake up because then it like it trains you to think that way i guess like from like the very moment you wake up and then like right before you go to bed. So it's like the first thing you're thinking about. And then the last thing you're thinking about are both things that are based around gratitude and positivity and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you did it, it in the it, middle of the day, it'd be better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. And I'm sure just even as a, you can relate that to CrossFit, you can relate that to life. Like everyone can kind of learn from that. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. I, uh, Thank you so much for coming on. This was really fun. I'd love to just point people in your direction where they can find you. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, Instagram, probably the easiest one, uh, Cody Anderson 2 underscore 3 4. Um, yeah, if you want to know, if you want to keep up on what I'm doing, that's pretty much what I use. I'm on Facebook a little bit, but I just push the Facebook button when I post on Instagram. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for all my weightlifting friends, seriously, some of the best technique that I've ever seen. I enjoy watching your videos so, so much every single time that you post a snatch video. Like, I got to watch this thing. So Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
Once again, thanks so much to Cody for coming on the show. I had a really fun time getting to know him. If you want to follow his Instagram, that will be linked right in the show notes, as well as my Instagram page at Better Than Yesterday Pod. If you are not following there, make sure to give that a follow this week. You'll be alerted every time a new episode drops and then just a bunch of content throughout the week and some podcast updates. So thank you guys so much for supporting. I appreciate you tuning in week in and week out. We'll be back next Monday with another great episode, and I will talk to you guys then.